Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. This morning we are finishing our series on the life of Joseph. So last week was the pinnacle of the story. Uh, It was the moment when Joseph uh, forgave his brothers and there was a restoration of the relationship. It's where we see this theme that we introduced at the very beginning of the series all comes together. That all that was intended for evil, that His brothers intended this for harm and for evil, but God was sovereignly working behind the scenes to accomplish his purpose. He wanted Joseph and needed Joseph to be in this position where he could bless many people and bring about the salvation of lives. But I really think the pinnacle of the the story is this moment of forgiveness and the restoration of relationship. In that way, Joseph's story is an example to us of really the human story. That is our story. The pinnacle of the human story is forgiveness and restoration. We were created to be in relationship with God and one another, to know God eternally. That relationship was broken because of sin, because we rebelled and wouldn't place our full trust and faith in God. And now the story now is of one man that God used to bring that relationship back together. And just as Joseph shows us that in small ways, we know ultimately the story points to Jesus Christ, who is the one who endured suffering, who endured like Joseph went to prison. He went to death in order that we might have life. And so, just as Joseph's life was redeemed to save many lives, our salvation is also never intended to be an individual experience that's just for us. God doesn't just bless us. He doesn't just save us for our own personal benefit. God used Joseph to be a blessing to others. He was swept up into this vision that God had for his family that we see chapters before this in Genesis chapter 12 where God said to Abram, who was the original patriarch of this family, he said, I will make you into a nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So God's plan is not just to save you, not just to bless you, but through you to extend his blessing into your family, into your community, into your school, into your workplace, and ultimately into the world. And this is the theme that Joseph's narrative turns toward as it reaches its resolution. This idea uh, that we are blessed to be a blessing and to share that blessing with others. In chapters 48 and 49, we see Joseph's father blessing his family before he dies. Jacob is an old man. He uses both terms here in the passage, Jacob and Israel. Same person, so don't be confused. Jacob is about to die and he wants to pass on the family blessing before he goes to be with the Lord. And one of the primary ways that we share and we receive God's blessing is through the use of our words. The Bible talks a lot about how we use our words, and we see an example here of what it means to bless others with our words. You've probably heard the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? 
never hurt me. And we all know that this is not true, right? It's not true. You can remember times in your life that people have spoken words to you that set with you, that, that, that settled down in your soul you carried with you years later. People have said hurtful, harmful things. Now, I understand the expression. The idea is that we don't want to allow what others say about us to define us. I get it. But it's, it's just not true. Those words do hurt. But yet, on the other hand, words can also be used powerfully. Because I would also imagine, likewise, there have been times in your life when people have spoken words of blessing over you that have shaped you, that have, that have changed the course of your life. Maybe you didn't even realize it. Words can be incredibly destructive, but they can also be incredibly life-giving. And so we want to learn, excuse me, just a little bit this morning about how to use our words in the positive way. I want to suggest that an important part of growing in spiritual maturity and fruitfulness is learning how to bless others. You probably do it and don't realize it, or maybe you do, but I think it's an area that we can grow in in intentionality. And by blessing, we mean a little bit more than just well-wishing. It's, it's more than just uh, saying positive things. It's more than just affirming the gifts in another person. It's more than uh, just being kind. I think blessing is an intentional thing. It's a very biblical thing. In fact, I would encourage you, to, I just want to raise the awareness of this lens of blessing to see how often blessing shows up in the Bible. Because I think we see it in a number of places. I want to suggest that blessing, biblical blessing, is about helping others realize a God-shaped vision for their life. That's a powerful thing. You have the ability to be used by God to help others realize a God-shaped vision for their life. What a task. Blessing is an opportunity to partner with God, to strengthen and encourage, to lift others up, to give them hope. It's an avenue through which we can share our testimony. We can pass on our legacy of faith. We can cast vision for what it looks like to have a life that is shaped by God. It's a way of speaking God's truth over the lives of others in a way that's accessible and tangible. Now, biblically, it takes many forms. It can be a formal family blessing like we're looking at today, which is used to convey inheritance rights. It can be a benediction at the end of a letter or at the end of a time of worship. Blessings can be produced, pronounced by leaders over groups of people. We also see individuals receiving blessings that define their future calling or their role of being a leader. I think that we crave blessing. It's part of being human. God created us to be a blessed people, to enjoy his blessing. And we look for blessing. I think the first thing that we have to do is that we have to receive God's blessing. We have to understand that we are in Christ a blessed people. That if we are in Christ, no matter what, we are blessed. Not because of what we do, not because of what we've done, not because we're special people, but because of being in Christ, there's a blessing I think we also look to other people to affirm that blessing in our lives. And again, we can be used by God to affirm that or we can be a people who do the opposite, who fail to bless or even to curse. The gifts of blessing are a strong identity, a freedom about our life, a fruitfulness, experiencing the favor of God. But a person who feels unblessed will feel shame, 
guilt, loneliness, isolation. They'll experience relational conflict. An unblessed person will look for affirmation and identity and blessing in all the wrong places. If you don't feel blessed by God, you're going to look to other things to affirm the blessing that can only be found in your relationship with God. And so we're going to look this morning at this scene of Jacob blessing his two grandsons. I think there's a couple of powerful truths here. Uh, we're really just scratching the surface on this idea of blessing. But I want to clarify one thing before we get into this. As we talk about this idea of blessing, we can really quickly get into territory that is, that is not biblical. There are some strains of Christianity that I believe have taken this idea of, of blessing and the power of our words, but they've adopted or co-opted views from outside of Scripture that has caused them to misunderstand the idea of blessing and the power of our words. And so there are some who will teach that it's really a New Age uh, thinking, but they'll teach that our words have the power to produce life, to produce a reality. And so if I just simply claim something or I speak it into existence, and if I say it with enough belief and enough power that I can create my own reality— and what it also means is that there's some who will, who, will, who will do what's called positive confession. There's some Christians who practice this. They believe that you shouldn't say anything negative because if you say anything negative at all, you're creating that reality for yourself. And so someone may be sick and they'll say, well, I'm not sick. God's already healed me. As if somehow claiming that reality will make it true. Yes, God has the ability to heal. Sometimes God does heal, but sometimes he doesn't, and that's a mystery to us. And you can't create your own reality, no matter how much you believe or speak those words. So my point in this is, as we talk about this idea of blessing, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about creating our own reality. But at the same time, I think some Christians on the other end fail to see the power of their words and the power that we have to speak God's truth into the lives of other people and allow God's power to create that reality in their life. We're participants in it. Our words are important. We don't create the reality. God creates the reality. But the reality is in, is in the truth of, uh, of the words. They're not our words that create the reality, but we can speak the truth of God in such a way that people can see what God wants for them in their life, if that makes sense. I think I lost some of you. I think I lost myself in there a little bit. The power, let me clarify this way, the power is not in us. The power is in the truth behind the words and God's truth and his power to convey that truth. And we can speak it into people's lives in a powerful way. Okay? So the first truth we see is that blessing shifts our focus to God. Oftentimes when we understand blessing and speaking blessings into people's lives, it's so focused on us as the recipients of the blessing. But I think biblical blessing focuses on God and causes people to see their life from God's perspective. So Jacob's final testimony here, beginning in verse 3, and his blessing, which he follows, begins and ends with God. This is the first goal of blessing, is to point to God as the one who is the source of all blessing. And as Jacob is about to give this blessing to his grandsons, he recalls the beginning of his spiritual journey. He says, God appeared to me in the land of Canaan, and then he blessed me. And he said, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase in numbers. You see, our blessing, first of all, begins with testimony. We bless others with what God has done in our life. 
It shifts the focus to God and his faithfulness. So Jacob says, I want to bless you boys. I want to shape your life. I want to pass my legacy on to you. Let me begin by telling you my testimony, which is, what's the first word? God. God appeared to me. God Almighty. He also ends his testimony by thanking God for his goodness and allowing him to not only see Joseph again, but also his children. Verse 11, I never expected to see your face again. He was gone. He thought he was dead. He says, God has been good to me. He's allowed me to see not only you, but also to see your children. And as he prepares to bless them at the end of his life, he's thinking of his legacy. Blessing is a way to pass on our legacy of faith. I wonder how much time we spend preparing to pass along our physical possessions to those around us, which is an important, responsible thing to do. But how much time do we think about our stuff and how we're going to pass that along to the next generation? And how little time do we think about passing along the spiritual inheritance that we have, the spiritual legacy? So I just ask you the question, are you being intentional First of all, with your family members. Are you being intentional to pass on the faith to the next generation? To tell them the story of what God has done in your life? To point their life to a life that is found in God? Are you being intentional with that legacy? Because that's how it works. That's how the faith is passed on from generation to generation. We keep telling the story about God's faithfulness. And we can't drop the ball on this. We've got to pass along this legacy of faith and we have an incredible task for us right now in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in. We've got to be intentional about blessing the next generation with the greatest gift we can give them, which is the legacy of our faith. So have those conversations. Take advantage of the opportunities. Create opportunities to tell the story of faith and to point your family members to the reality of God. Because a truly blessed person is one who orients their life around God and his purposes. That's where blessing begins. It begins with testimony. The second thing we see is that blessing shapes our identity in God. Verse 5. Now then your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. And any children born to you after them will be yours. In the territory they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. So what Jacob is basically doing here is he is claiming his grandsons as his own. He's adopting them. This would have been recognized as an official act of adoption. He's saying they are like mine. He makes them full recipients of his inheritance, the same As Jacob's other sons, they will receive not only a blessing, but the benefits that come with that, including a share of the family land inheritance. Later on, when the people of God will go into the land of Israel, you'll notice that two of the territories in the division of land are Manasseh and Ephraim. They're not sons, they're grandsons. So in a way, Joseph kind of gets a double portion of God's blessing through his sons. It's an unusual thing, but it's a big deal. And this concept of adoption is an important way that the Bible communicates God's love and relationship to us. We see this theme of adoption carried into the New Testament. And we're told that we are adopted into the family of God. 
And we're adopted in, not because we're worthy recipients of that, because God chooses to adopt us into his family. And he chooses to bless us. And he chooses to give us an eternal inheritance because of his grace. Because he chooses to bless us. And in Christ, we have a new identity. We have a new way of life, a new family that we're a part of, new habits and practices that are part of the family. We have a new purpose. And ultimately, we have love and we have relationship. It means that we're blessed beyond measure to be adopted by God. It's also important to understand that we are blessed because of our identity in Christ. And so blessing precedes obedience. This is an important concept. So much of life is operated on this principle that if you do the right thing, you will be blessed. We even treat others in relationships this way. It's part of human. If you do this, then good will come to you. And there is some truth to the fact that there is a blessing that comes with obedience. But God's ultimate blessing, first and foremost, comes to us before we obey. The Bible says while we were still sinning, running away from God, that God drew us in by his grace and he chose to save us and to adopt us into his family. And so blessing precedes obedience. And God blesses us in order to make us faithful, not because we've proven ourselves faithful already. You see, it's not the withholding of love, but the assurance of love that causes us to flourish. Let me say that again. It's not the withholding of love, but the assurance of love that causes us to flourish. It's because God loves us that we are compelled to obey him. I think that's a pretty powerful principle for those of you that are parents and grandparents as well. We tend to do that. We withhold love to try to get obedience out of our kids. We need to assure them of love. doesn't mean there's not a place for discipline and correction. But love, withholding love, never, it might generate fear. It might generate results sometimes. And so blessing isn't a picture of what you aren't and should try harder to become. It's a picture of who you already are and you need to realize. You need to walk in. Recall that God blessed Adam and Eve and then released them to be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth. We often think it's the other way around. If we do the right things, we'll be blessed. God will bless us as a reward. But the gospel declares just the opposite. The gospel declares that in Christ, God has blessed you beyond measure. Therefore, follow, obey, serve, love, live fruitful lives. The blessing that Jacob gives to his family is grounded, first of all, in the reality. He says, God, has, God blessed me, recalling the beginning of his spiritual journey. And now he says, I bless you. And it's not a conditional, it's not a conditional blessing. It's a blessing because you're part of the family. I'm going to give it to you because of my grace. It's a powerful picture of the gospel, and it only continues. So next, we see that blessing shares the grace of God. And this is the part, I really want you to pay attention to this, because this, is, this part is really powerful. So if you're asleep, wake up. Just give me five minutes. Verse 13, And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand 
on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborns. Okay, so imagine the picture here. Joseph brings the grandsons before their grandfather. He's a very old man. He, he's, he's gotten himself together and gotten the energy just for this special moment. And they bring the boys before them, and the older one is Manasseh. Okay, so he is legally, he's the one who would normally be entitled to the first and greatest blessing as the oldest son. And then you have Ephraim, the younger son, okay, who would also receive a blessing, but not the blessing of the firstborn. And Joseph brings the boys before him, and he puts Manasseh as the oldest one in front of the right hand of the grandfather, and the right hand is what would be used to convey the primary blessing. And he puts the younger one, Ephraim, before his left hand. And then he crosses his arms as if to switch this. And Joseph goes, no, 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 wait a second. You don't understand. And so he's probably thinking to himself, oh my goodness, my father is so old. Maybe he's just confused. Maybe he really can't see. You know, we're going to have another situation here like Jacob and Esau. We're going to get this mixed up. We're going to mess this up. He says, no, no, no. I placed them in front of you the right way. What are you doing? Why are you crossing your arms? But Jacob's clear. He knows exactly what he's doing. Verse 20. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. He he names the younger one first and then the older. And so it says, second half of verse 20. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Now he'll bless both, but he'll make the younger, even more fruitful, which his name suggests. And the Bible is filled with stories like this where God chooses, God picks the younger brother. God picks the unlikely candidate, the weaker person to accomplish his purposes as if to say, it's not about the people, it's about me. It's about my plan and I will do what I will do. And I will show and prove to you that it's about my faithfulness and I'll use unlikely people. I'll use weak people. In fact, 1 Corinthians says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. But there's another layer here that's even more powerful, and that is how this illustration points us to the gospel. Because going with this idea of adoption, imagine for a moment, Jesus is described in a way like our older brother. And if there was ever an older brother who deserved the inheritance and deserved the blessing of the father, it was Jesus. And yet we are described like the the younger brother. And in fact, not even a blessing. We deserve the curse because of our sin and our rebellion. But yet when Jesus went to the cross, it was as if in that moment in time, the arms of God crossed. Because the right hand, the hand of blessing that should have gone on Jesus' head went across to us. And the curse that we deserved went to Jesus. And now we know that Jesus was raised from the dead. We know he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. He's in the position of power and authority, but for that moment in time, the arms of God crossed and we received the blessing that Jesus deserved and he received what we deserved. It's a powerful illustration of what God has done for us in Christ, and because of that, we have received blessing upon blessing. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 
So how do we learn how to bless others? We've only begun to scratch the surface. I'd like to recommend a book to you that was very helpful to me um, in unpacking this idea of Ephraim and Manasseh and even the crossed arms of God, um, which is Pastor Alan Wright wrote a book called The Power to Bless. The Power to Bless. Um, Alan is the pastor of the church that I grew up in. He's a fellow EPC pastor and and a friend of mine now. Um, Was my pastor in high school. And um, he wrote this book about blessing and and he definitely practices it. And it gives a lot of practical suggestions for what it looks like to really understand blessing through a gospel-shaped and a very grace-filled approach. But one of the things he says in the book is the first thing you have to learn how to do to bless others is you have to bless yourself. And what he means by that is speaking the truth of God over your own life, understanding your identity in Christ, really knowing what it means to be a person who has received the blessing of God in order to be able to share it with others. From there, I think that we could capitalize on the big moments of life and being more intentional to use them to bless. Moments when life transitions, when there's a wedding when there's a funeral, when a, when a baby is born, when there's some major life transition, we are afforded an opportunity to speak into people's lives in ways that we don't have other times. Use those moments as an opportunity to bless and not just bless in a general way of encouragement, but to bless in the way of shaping someone's life toward God and the reality of God in their life. Using it as an opportunity to point people to the work that God is doing in their life, not just general well-wishing. The next suggestion I would give for you is to bless in the transitions. The beginning of the day, the end of the day. Use those opportunities to bless the people around you. It can be short, it can be simple, but to speak some word of truth, some word of encouragement. Part of that may be memorizing some scripture. Uh, That would be helpful. Uh, Memorizing some of the blessings in the Bible and using lines from that just to speak God's truth into the lives of of those closest to us. And I think eventually we'll learn blessing as a way of life. And I think this is a time, this is a cultural moment when we as a people of God need to be characterized as a people who bless because there's a lot of cursing going on right now in our, literally, but also metaphorically. Uh, if, you wanna, if you want an experiment in human nature, just begin to read comments online and social media, blog posts, uh, those kind of things. Actually, probably you shouldn't because it's just the comment section is never good for the soul. It just shows you we're, we're just, we can be really horrible with our words. And I think as God's people, we were created to use our words in a life-giving way. And I think if we capitalize on that, it will, make, it will be a unique quality to our lives that will stand out in our world because it's, it goes against human nature in a way. We're destined to curse. We're good at it. We figured that part out. We need to relearn how to bless people in the way that God blesses them with his truth. And so I encourage you in this, just begin exploring this idea of blessing, what it looks like. Grab the book. Love to have a follow-up conversation about this. And uh, we're going to close service with a song you're probably familiar with, The Blessing, which is based on the ironic blessing. And I hope that you'll receive this blessing in a slightly new way this morning, uh, knowing that, that a blessing is not just something we say before we eat, a blessing is not just something that we say as we're, as we're leaving, but it is a powerful conveyance of God's truth into us. So I hope you'll receive it this morning as God's blessing to you. Will you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, first of all, have blessed us. That you gave us the greatest blessing in your son, Jesus Christ. That you crossed 
your arms to give us the blessing of Jesus and the inheritance that we have in him. Father, what, what power, what identity, what love that shapes our lives. I pray that we would receive that blessing and know that we are a blessed people, God, and that you would use us to be a blessing to others. That we would be more intentional in the days ahead of how we use our words. And that we would use them to communicate your love and your goodness and your grace and what you have done for us. God, you are good. And we love you. We praise you. And we, we receive the good news of your blessing, of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>